This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. The clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You said my world on even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Let's go there. With Shira and Ryan. Oh Entertainment. Music. Pop culture. LGBT plus news. Let's go there. Start now. What's up? Happy Thursday. We appreciate you and thank you for hanging out with us as we get into today's show. We've got music, of course, here on Channel Q and some great stories we're covering. Do you think people say you're welcome when you say thank you every time? I hope so. Maybe in their head. Maybe uh, I'm teaching people to talk to themselves in the car or wherever they are, which I hope that's working for you. I hope not. (laughs) Do you talk to yourself at all? Actually, I do talk to myself a lot. Um, Living by yourself... And, um, you know, I try to mask it like I'm talking in a cocoa, but she clearly has no clue. Um, and so, yeah, I do talk to myself. I have really great conversations with myself. I have no problem with that. Really? Yeah. So are, are your thoughts different than your uh, verbal conversations? Oh, of course. My thoughts are meaner. My verbal conversations are me just thinking out loud. Yeah, like, oh, maybe I should buy this right now. Yeah. Or this, this tastes good. Oh, my God. She was so annoying today. Wow. Yeah, that's a negative thought. That's what you keep to yourself. That's a positive unfortunately. thought. Wow, we have some work to do. I'm just joking. I Can... promise. I promise. I don't think that ever. No. <laughs> Ryan's also the worst liar ever. Like you could see, even though actually, I thought I've been I've been complimented no, been... on my lying except... abilities, like my acting abilities. Yeah, except you could see it on Ryan's face, like when he likes something or not. He's like, like the the other day we were asking him, I think about an outfit or something, and he was just like. I mean, I guess that works. And he was giving the most gross face looking at it. Well, no, because, I, you know, sometimes your face doesn't connect. And, you know, I, I, my face will say everything. Well, thank God. Before my voice, like my, you know, my thoughts do. Sometimes I kind of, I, I like that. I'd rather that. Yeah, true. You know, I'm always going to keep it 100 with you and Vanessa. Oh, yes, we know Of this. course. And with all of you listening, too. Yes. So coming up, speaking of all this stuff we're talking about, thoughts, how you communicate with people. What makes someone toxic? We're going to be also taking a text, a, a test. We're taking a text. Yeah, a test to find out uh, if we each have toxic behavior. <laughs> yeah, I'm actually really excited about that. I can't believe we're, I, we, I agreed to be taking this test because what if we all find out hey. that Vanessa's the toxic one? <laughs> <laughs> then we've all got work, some work to do. That's at 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Eastern, so stick around for that. Let's get into somewhat trending this hour, though. Uh, President Biden announced an executive order and an ambitious goal today. Mm-hmm. Lift up American auto workers and strengthen and strengthen the American leadership in the world in the clean car technology mm-hmm. trucks, and not just cars but trucks as well and buses. You know that's why today 
I'm signing an executive order setting out a target of 50% of all passenger vehicles sold by 2030 will be electric and set in motion an all-out effort. Okay, well, that's uh, a big deal. And we've heard a bit about this, but he officially said it Who's getting today. an electric car? Are they giving out cars? Is it Oprah's no, Christmas the, episode? Well, how, the oh. automobile industry, the companies. The, by so him doing this, it's not just saying to the consumer, you need to do this, but it's saying to the companies that they need to manufacture these types of cars. So, like, if you get a new car, the cars are going to be electric. The options you will have will electric. be uh, electric by 2030. Exactly. That, I'm sure that will be in a commercial at a certain point. Probably. Oh, my God. Yeah. That's the worst. Now, uh, for all our listeners in Palm Springs, 103.1 FM, we've got some news for you or anyone traveling to Palm Springs. Proof of vaccine or a negative COVID-19 test within the past 72 hours will be required of patrons when indoors at restaurants and bars in Palm Springs amid rising case rates across Riverside County and the nation. Restaurants and bars will have three weeks to implement the vaccination proof or negative COVID-19 test requirement. And this doesn't apply to outdoor seating areas at those businesses. And uh, customers and employees will be required to wear masks indoors at businesses regardless of vaccination status. And finally... Vaccine maker Moderna said today that the protection offered by its coronavirus shots remains strong, 93% effective six months after full vaccination. They're still saying that the emergence of the Delta variant combined with the immunity decreasing over time would probably mean that boosters to keep people safe this winter will be required. While the decision about when to give boosters is really on the government, the company announced it has tested three potential booster shots, which have demonstrated, quote, robust antibody responses and have helped with immunity, bringing antibodies back to the protective levels triggered by full vaccination. So you're a Moderna person. Yes, I'm an easy, breezy, beautiful Moderna girl. And that means for the winter, you might need to get a shot. No, Moderna, Moderna's are, it's Johnson and Johnson that has the booster needs. Moderna has a 93% um, of uh, like success rate when it comes to the new variant. Which they said, I'll repeat, it would probably mean boosters to keep people safe this winter because immunity decreases over time, even though it is 93% effective. Anyway, that's just a reality for, I think, most of these. That was What's Trending This Hour. What's happening in entertainment news, Ryan? You know what, Shira? Let's have a discussion. Oh, okay. Um, Because Shailene Woodley is speaking out about the pressure she's faced during her 25-year acting career. It's time for the T-Report, those pop culture stories trending right now. So she spoke about her ups and downs from the audition process to critics, and she even opened up about an insecurity that she used to deal with. She used to get offended by being called a hippie. She Mm. said, I mean, I used to get offended by that. Um, She admitted of the label, but now I'm just like, great. You want to call me a hippie? So many things about the hippie movement were effing beautiful. I'm all about it. She says, when I was talking about these things 10 or 15 years ago, it was before people knew what environmentalism was. The most environmental thing you could do was recycle. She says, now every single effing influencer or model or CEO is talking about this. Look, I don't take offense at being called the hippie of Hollywood if it means one or two people are going to learn some things. I had no clue one being called a hippie was an offensive thing. And then also, I've never heard anyone call her a hippie. I have. I feel like people... Shailene Woodley? Yeah, people, because of the work she's done, like, protesting the... Uh, Is that hippie work? It's... it's Well, it's her work 
with, uh, yeah, like nature and the ground and and because like for that's some reason, protest well, totally protest it is. It doesn't mean that's why I think for her it's like not right just because she wants to support indigenous communities and because she, I don't know. Uh, she also oh, we talked to her about how she was into sunbathing her um, down there, her vagina at a certain point. It's uh, a scientific term, her yeah, vagina. Okay. I think I, I wasn't sure if it was her butt or her, her vagina. Okay. But she was talking about, we talked about that one. So like little things like that, I think, sprinkled around, make people think she's a bit of a hippie. Would you be offended being called a hippie? It's funny. I feel like I get a bit annoyed. It's not that I'm offended or insulted by it. I get a, a bit annoyed when people are like, yeah, oh, you're so hippy dippy. Because then, Aren't you though? I don't I look at me it. as like a total hippie. I think there are people that are actually hippies that would be offended to me calling me a hippie. Mm. Does that make sense? Like who yeah. are actually like they they do stuff just because I do some things that are organic or natural or spiritual doesn't make me necessarily like a full on hippie. Yeah, wow. Um, she's off her soap, soapbox. Head over to Weird Joe. That's my TED Talk. <laughs> to find out more about this story. I got more stories coming up next hour. Okay, well, next up on the show, the battle over caring for COVID and lives is on. This Republican's latest attack on Biden next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. President Biden and Florida Republican Governor Ron DeSantis continue to be at odds over DeSantis's handling, or you can say non-handling, of COVID-19. Florida now leads the nation in new COVID-19 adult and child hospital admissions. And here's Biden responding to a reporter. DeSantis, who is using your words about don't be in the way, and he's saying, I am in the way to block too much interference from the federal government. Your response, Mr. President? Governor who? DeSantis. (laughs) Joining us right now is Gary Finau, a reporter for Politico in Florida. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me on. So we know that they haven't seen eye to eye throughout the entire pandemic, but has the latest really taken this to the next level? Well, I think what's going on is that uh, the cases are rising in Florida, uh, hospitalizations are rising in Florida, and basically uh, the governor has responded by saying this is is a seasonal event, and he has resisted uh, putting in place any um, any you know uh, restrictions. Like uh, he has basically uh, told school districts they can't do a mask mandate uh, for those uh, children who are unable to be vaccinated. And he said he's, you know, not going to go along with any other any other uh, actions. And so that's kind of heated things up over the last few days. And he's got Democratic opponents uh, back in Florida who are kind of hammering him. And so when the White House got asked about it and they kind of said, get out of the way if you're not going to do anything, he then turned that around and kind of went after the president. And yesterday made these comments where he basically uh, said, well, Biden needs to be worrying about the southern border because there's immigrants coming across the border who probably have COVID. And, you know, and said he shouldn't say anything about COVID to him. And, you know, and now, interestingly enough, right after that, was it, he did that. Uh, his campaign or a committee affiliate of his campaign sent out a fundraising pitch. Um, so, I mean, it's I mean, the fact of the matter is that Ron DeSantis, uh, is emerging as a uh, leading contender for 2024 mm. because he's appealing to that element uh, in the Republican Party, the conservative base, the, the, the people who are backing Trump. And he is, he's, you know, he's singing from the hymn book. No, it, it's really interesting to kind of see Ron DeSantis's like, 
I don't even want to give him this, but his star rise in this way. It's kind of, it's really weird and very trippy. But let me know if I'm stretching it here because I do, I am thinking about how uh, the governor here in California, Governor Gavin Newsom, people are calling for his own like recall. Do you think we'll see that in Florida with, you know, Ron DeSantis? Because at this point, he's like affecting, you know, voters and, and Governor. Governor Newsom, people were calling him out because of the mass mandates and the things, how he was handling COVID-19. And so I wondered, do you think we'll ever see something like that on the flip side when it comes to DeSantis pop up? Well, in Florida, no, because uh, Florida does not have a recall mechanism. Uh, oh, so, interesting. Uh, I didn't know that. So there, there in California, you have you get to have that, uh, that fun dealing with that. And obviously the state politically <laughs> is different as well. Uh, but no, I mean, his, his next time that he's going to go before voters is going to be in 2022 when he's up for reelection. And right now you have, uh, two democratic candidates who have already jumped into the race against him, but DeSantis is raising a lot of money. And, you know, there are a lot of signs that this state is trending, uh, trending to the Republican side. Even though there's been a lot of, there is uh, a lot of diverse electorate in parts of the state. Uh, you also got a lot of people moving in from other parts of the country who share the, the politics of the governor. And they're moving into places like Southwest Florida and everything like that. So, I mean, I think everyone was a bit surprised that, you know, Trump actually did fairly well, you know, understanding the Florida standards. Because normally Florida has really close elections, mm. really divided. Uh, I mean, uh, DeSantis only won by, I believe, uh, uh, 50,000 votes. Uh, Rick Scott, who beat Bill Nelson, the incumbent Democrat, only won by 10,000 votes. So we're, Florida's kind of used to having these really razor thin elections, but that didn't happen with Trump in uh, 2020. And you got a lot of people who are wondering if the state is now moving in a particular uh, direction where it's going to be in the red column. At what point with how he's handling COVID and the data and hospitalizations and deaths, at what point would a president step in in terms of his irresponsible handling of it. Is that possible that that would ever happen? Well, I mean, there's been some conversation. Uh, I don't step in. I don't know if the, I don't know stepping in is the right word, but I mean, the, basically the agriculture commissioner, uh, Nikki free is a Democrat and she's one of the ones running against him. And she's made some comments about, well, uh, the federal government should step in and help if uh, school districts get their funding cut off, because basically what DeSantis has, has done is he, he put out an executive order and he told the, the Department of Education, the Department of Health to sort of begin the process of going after school districts that if they if they defy him and put in a mask mandate. And he said one of the one of the one of the sanctions could be if you could lose your funding. So she's saying, well, I'm going to go to the federal government and ask the federal government to give money to these districts. I'm not I don't know if it's actually going to come to that. Uh, I mean, and the other thing is, which the Biden administration has over the last week said, look, we're willing to come in and do strike teams and things like that to pump up the vaccination. I mean, it, it's it's an interesting dance. I mean, basically, DeSantis has bashed the Biden administration with the main exception as uh, your listeners may have may have caught something about the, the collapse of the condominium in, in Surfside. Right. The president did come down to South Florida and. Uh, he met with DeSantis, and DeSantis and him were side by side, and they were cordial and friendly, and and you know very professional uh, as the president came down there during that tragedy. But the rest of the time since Biden's been in office, it, it it basically DeSantis has 
uh, gone off on all, all sorts of things. He he sent like a hundred law enforcement officers to the Texas Mexico border, you know, uh, and even went out to Texas and had a press conference with Texas governor to decry uh, the Biden administration, you know, what a lousy job they were doing uh, regarding guarding the border. So, I mean, the thing is, is that, you know, everyone thinks that he's going to run for president in 2024, and he is doing the things that are going to position him if he, in fact, runs. These things are going to position him well in a Republican primary in 2024, provided Trump doesn't run again. Gross. Well, that was Gary Finout, a reporter for Politico Florida. Thanks for being here. Thank you for having me on. Hi, yeah, yeah. And now Lambda versus the Delta COVID variant. What we know so far about the different strains that's next. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Today's episode is sponsored by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Get your head in the financial game with smart investing and budgeting tips straight from the nerds. NerdWallet's experts will set future you up for success with dependable, fact-based insights. No financial misinformation allowed. Learn how to save on your summer vacation, find your next credit card, or loan for a big purchase, and invest in your next index fund. Make smarter decisions in 2024. Follow NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. While we are just starting to understand the Delta variant, there's a new variant popping up. It's called Lambda. It's like, uh, what's it called um, in college? The Lambda, the this, the that. What's yeah. it? I mean, I've heard about the Lambda for a minute now. What? But like yeah. I'm, I thought there was like other ones besides Delta, Lambda, you know, Gamma, all of the Greek <laughs> like letters that are going to pop up. Sororities, that's the word yeah, I was looking for. That's going to pop up. It's going to be really interesting. I feel bad for the sororities. They're just getting dragged through this. Well, Dave O'Connor joins us right now, a professor at University of Wisconsin Madison, studying HIV, Zika, COVID nineteen, disease X, and genomics. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. Okay, let's get into this. What is Lambda popping up. Well, it's just another variant, um, and these are going to keep coming. I, you know, I went into science because I didn't want to learn the Greek alphabet and study classics, and so the fact that we're being dragged through the entire Greek alphabet is a bummer to me too. Um, but basically, the virus continues to evolve as it moves around the world, as it moves through populations. We know this is going to happen, so it's totally predictable that it's going to happen. The challenge is we just don't know where it's going to go next. So when you have a virus like Delta 
that seems to be more contagious than the variants that came before, um, it can take over in a community. There's some concern that Lambda might um, have the same sort of properties where it can spread really fast or it might be partially resistant to the vaccines. But right now, I'd say just wait and see. There's no need to panic. Um, we have enough to worry about with Delta. Wow, you sound very calm. Um, break down the symptoms between Delta and Lambda. How are they different? How are they similar? Well, that's the thing is that for all these variants that have come out, the 2020 version, Alpha, which uh, was earlier in the year, Delta now, the virus itself is pretty much the same in terms of the types of symptoms it can cause. Um, once again, it's important to emphasize that the vaccines are protective at keeping people from getting severely ill and ending up in the hospital. Um, and that's something we should be really, really thankful for. In terms of the symptoms, it's the same as other COVID. So if any of the listeners have had COVID in the past, there's no reason to think that Delta or Lambda are going to be any worse in terms of the symptoms. But what is a little bit different with Delta is that it's more contagious. Lambda doesn't have enough of a foothold in the U.S. to know yet whether it's going to be more contagious. But more contagious just means it spreads more easily, not that it makes you any sicker. Okay, interesting. So what happens now and what about the vaccines? Well, so you might remember that for a while at the very beginning, people said, oh, you don't need to wear masks. You don't have to do anything. Let's keep all the masks for the healthcare workers. And there was, there was really good reason to think that, especially for the N95 respirators that were in short supply. The thing that changed, the thing that made us go into an unstable time was the observation that people who were asymptomatic were spreading this virus. And that's something that we hadn't seen in the original SARS outbreak back in 2003. So someone could unknowingly infect a lot of other people. And because that they, were, they could unknowingly infect other people, everyone had to start wearing masks because you didn't know who might infect you or if you yourself were infected and might infect your loved ones. We're kind of back in a similar position now um, where people who have been vaccinated and have breakthrough infections where they get infected with the virus, even though they've been vaccinated, the good news again is they're not going to end up in the hospital in all likelihood, but they might be just like those uh, unwitting people from early 2020, where if they're going around without wearing masks, they might spread the virus to other people. So that's why the guidance has changed in just the last week or so to encourage people to wear masks, even if um, they've been vaccinated and to get tested if you have symptoms, even if you've been vaccinated. Right. That's all due to the Delta variant. Well, here's the thing that I, I saw a headline recently, like literally today, where the World Health Organization called for like a temporary kind of uh, pause on booster shots until the end of September. Can you break down what that means? Because a lot of people are wanting to know oh, can I get a booster shot? And maybe we'll actually keep you on to have you think about your answer and we'll come right back with some more of this conversation, okay? Is that cool with you? All right, sounds good. Awesome. All right, don't go anywhere, y'all. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. We are back with an infectious diseases expert, Dave O'Connor, professor at University of Wisconsin-Madison. Thanks again for joining us. Thanks again for having me. Okay, so breakdown. Before the break, I was I actually I, I was talking about the news about the World Health Organization and them calling for a temporary hold for booster shots until the end of September. Why are they doing that right now of all times, especially when people are probably worried about if their vaccine is even strong enough to take on these variants? 
Yeah, my mom called me last night and she said, what's the WHO doing? Tell the WHO your mom wants a third vaccine. And hey, I can't blame her. She's older. She, uh, you know, uh, is worried. And um, the the idea that there's these breakthrough infections makes people want to get vaccinated. And that makes a lot of sense. In San Francisco this week, they've just said that if you've gotten a Johnson & Johnson vaccine, you can come back in and get an mRNA vaccine. And, you know, the reason for that is that topping up your immunity as we head into the winter, can make a lot of sense. But what the WHO is saying, you know, they look out over the entire world and they say, well, why should people in the U.S. have access to three vaccines when huge parts of the world haven't had access to any? Mm. And so this harkens back to uh, what we've seen in the past with antiretroviral drug access for HIV, for example. You know, why should we have these great life-saving drugs available in the U.S. but not have them available in some of the countries that are hardest hit with HIV? It's the same. It's the same question being asked over and over now. But why withhold it if, if no one's going to use it? If it's just sitting there. Well, the hope is that so. No, get but that's. Together. I, I get that understanding of wanting to say, you know, everyone needs to be taken care of. They first. need to have it available. But my thing is, it feels counterproductive to just put a hold on it, and then it's just sitting there, and no one's getting it, and it's just like waiting around. Mm-hmm. So, what's the solution to, that gets us all to a better place where we're not asking the same questions over and over again? Well, I mean, the good news is I think the UN says to the US, uh, "Don't give booster shots." I think the US will say to the UN, "No." And, you know, that the, it's kind of like being on an airplane where they tell you to put your oxygen mask on first um, before you take care of others. And I think we can discuss global health equity, you know, over, you know, hours and hours and hours. But at the end of the day, um, I think it's going to be an impossible sell to say to Americans that the vaccines that are available in America are going to go overseas when there is a perceived need here. So we basically need to solve this by increasing manufacturing so we can do both. We can provide all the vaccines that are indicated here um, as many times as people need. And we can provide a manufactured vaccine and we can teach others how to make the vaccine so that there's more vaccine available all around the world. But I think it's a non-starter what the U.N. said yesterday um, for the wealthy countries to not boost if they think that's a good idea. I, I was going to say, as someone who's an expert in this field, like, what do you think about the fact that there are just so many people that just still don't trust this? And like, I mean, experts are always obviously coming together to figure out solutions to stop a pandemic. But the ethics of it and the narrative of it is a big part of it. Yeah, it's tough. I mean, there's uh, there's no easy answer. Right. So I always say to my college students here at UW. So imagine someone from Zimbabwe gets off the plane and tells you, you know, yo, binge drinking is bad for you. Don't do it. Well, they're right, but are they going to listen? No. And so it's really important that we get good messengers out there. So it's really great when we see uh, people like Olivia Rodriguez, we see other people who are celebrities, faith leaders, uh, people who have a lot of stature in various communities acting as influencers and getting people to to get the vaccine. Because, You know, I've spent most of my career doing HIV uh, research, and one of the things that's always been amazing to me is how much influence a good influencer can have. And so we've got to make use of those relationships because, frankly, people are going to trust someone that they already look up to, that they already know, much more than they're going to trust some professor from Wisconsin. All right, as we have 10 seconds left, let me know what is kind of something that you're keeping your eye on as a priority as things continue to develop. So in the U.S., the thing that I'm really worried about is these reports coming out of some of the southern states, Florida, Louisiana, Texas, Arkansas, that hospitals are full. 
and that they don't have space to take care of people who have COVID. If they don't have space to take care of people with COVID, they're not going to have space to take care of people who have cancer or other things either. So I'm keeping a real careful eye on that. And then I'm also keeping an eye um, on some of these Delta surges that we're seeing in places like Wisconsin. A couple weeks ago, the Bucks won the NBA Finals. Uh, there were huge parties outside the stadium. There was a big parade. Uh, you have the Sturgis Motorcycle Rally coming up. You have Lollapalooza last week in Chicago. Yeah. So in our region in the Midwest, we've got all these big events where people are outside, still largely not wearing masks. And that's going to coincide in a couple of weeks with kids coming back to school, University of Minnesota, University of Michigan, Illinois, Indiana, and so on. And if the virus uh, surge uh, continues to grow because people aren't wearing masks, mm-hmm. it's going to be a brutal uh, start of the school year. Definitely. Well, that was Dave O'Connor, professor at University of Wisconsin-Madison. Thanks so much for being here. Now coming up next, Trump's latest email blast blasting the woman's soccer team while he can't keep his mouth shut. That's next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Are back. We'll have some more music for you here on Channel Q, but also some of the news of the day. And coming up, we'll be talking about what can be done to decrease your chances of prostate cancer. And all you need is your hand. That's in 30 minutes. Plus, why actress okay. Jam- Jamila Jamil is calling out the media again. And uh, does it make sense? Is Are they in the wrong? Is she in the wrong? That's in the T-Report in a moment. But first, let's get into some what's trending this hour. President Biden announced he will award a congressional gold medal to police officers who defended the Capitol on January 6th. Today, I'm going to sign the law, the bill you sent to me, that awards the congressional gold medal to the United States Capitol Police, the Washington, D.C. Metropolitan Police Department, another law enforcement for their service and defense of our democracy on January the 6th. All of them, on behalf of a grateful nation, thank you, thank you, thank you for protecting our capital. Maybe even more importantly, for protecting our Constitution and saving the lives of duly elected members of the Senate and the House and their staffs. Now, former President Trump is slamming what he's calling the woke U.S. women's soccer team for failing to win the gold medal at the Tokyo Olympics. They did win bronze. He said in this email blast, everything that is woke goes bad. And our soccer team certainly has. If our soccer team headed by a radical group of leftist maniacs wasn't woke, they would have won the gold medal instead of the bronze. Woke means you lose. Oh, God. Yeah. Um, There were, however, a few patriots standing. Unfortunately, they need more than that respecting our country and national anthem. They should replace the wokesters with patriots and start winning again. He is. Just, okay. He also sing- singled out uh, Megan Rapinoe, who has been vocal in her criticism of him and has taken, of course, to social justice initiatives and advocacy. But yeah, lame. And finally, Austin Travis County officially announced that they are in stage five COVID restrictions. This is the highest risk level for the pandemic. So that is happening also right now. And we'll be reporting more on what that actually means next hour on What's Trending This Hour. But first, uh, let's get into some entertainment news now. Oh, my God. Jamila Jamil, friend of the show, has literally gotten herself in some hot water again. It's time for the T-Report. Those pop culture stories trending right now. I'm changing my song. Boom. 
So Jamila Jamil has never been shy about expressing uh, exactly how she feels about all sorts of important issues like body positivity, equality, and representation. Uh, if you want to hear her expressing herself, she was on the show. You should mm-hmm. head over to the Odyssey app and check out when she was on because it was actually a really great conversation. But this week, however... She made headlines when she told the world her thoughts about TikTok star Addison Rae's new Netflix movie, He's All That. Shortly after the trailer dropped, Jamil weighed in and said, This looks objectively effing terrible, which means everyone is going to watch it and it's going to be number one. And to be honest, I don't see anything wrong with this, like her saying this. Um, But of course, headlines picked it up, outlets picked it up, and it focused on the effing terrible quote specifically. And uh, this morning, she went to social media to insist her critiques were simple, quote, mindless tongue-in-cheek tweets um, and weren't anything to be taken serious of. She says, this has got turned into a serious attack from me as if I'm actually giving an effing about a teen rom-com. I'm in a cheesy teen rom-com coming out later in the year, which people will probably also bemoan. Who cares? These movies are not supposed to be Shakespeare. My thing is, do you think the media gives her a hard time or should she just be quiet? I think the media gives everyone a hard time and they'll pick up on anyone who calls out another women's movie, right? Did you just All Lives Matter her? <laughs> like, you know, like, you're like, anyone can go through. I'm talking about specifically no, I do. Jamila I, Jamil. Well, the thing is, because they know she speaks her mind and is very honest, it's like she's bait, right, for uh, for stories. But she kind of sets herself up sometimes. She, but that's what, I, that's what I mean. She yeah. kind of knows, and it's like a, a never-ending cycle. Right? It's like a self-fulfilling prophecy. Well, you have you have to remember, Jamila Jamil wasn't trying to be a star. She's her first acting role was The Good Place ever. She had never acted ever. So she wasn't and, trying to be a star, but yeah, even before then, she was a you know she was a host. She was still on camera and using her yeah, her presence. Yeah. Um, not but to she say, wasn't trying to be the next big celebrity. But as now she, is she now. says it's not about being a celebrity, but she will use the attention she gets to put a spotlight on things she cares about and also random stuff she could just talk about. But For that sure. said, as much as people will pay attention to the things she wants them to pay attention to, they will also pay attention to the other random stuff and make whatever they want to out of it. Yeah, it's true. Uh, so here's the thing is like... We gotta go. She could have... Uh, I know, it's okay. We uh, will continue the conversation dun, some other dun, time. Dun. But uh, let us know your thoughts at uh, uh, LGT Show Everywhere yeah. because we love to, for you all to chime in and that's your tea report. Well, next up, we talk about mindfulness a lot, right? Well, the research reveals now how much you're actually living in the moment. You're going to be surprised by this. That's next. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. If your day sounds like... We need the report ASAP. You deserve Medella. If you've persevered through... You deserve this rich golden lager with a crisp but refreshing taste. Or if you overcame. Two more reps, two more. You deserve this ice cold reward. Medella, the Markable Fighter. Drink responsibly, beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. 
There are any number of reasons you might consider selling your home. That's where an agent who is a Realtor comes in to navigate the process to sell your home in a way that's right for you. Because that's who we are. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. A 2010 study found people spend nearly half of their waking hours thinking about something other than what is right in front of them. I mean, do you find yourself doing that? You might not even notice it because you've been doing it for so long. It's like my entire life. Okay, well, guess what? That can, well, I'm just assuming this, but we have an expert joining us to tell us. <laughs> yeah, baby, I'm don't assuming say your this statement. impacts our lives and our ability to enjoy the present moment. What do you think? Yeah, yeah. And uh, joining us right now is Diana Winston, a director of mindfulness education at UCLA's Mindful Awareness Research Center. Thanks for being here. Happy to be here. Now, that, of course, was from 2010. I'm assuming that number has probably increased with social media and more. So what does that mean for all of us? It means that a lot of us are walking around thinking about other things than the present moment. And we're lost in a lot of anxiety, depression, worries, worst case scenarios. And that's where our minds tend to be. Well, we are in a pandemic. (laughs) <laughs> and so it kind of feels that. like that's a, that's a that's a place where we're all going to exist. So moving out of that and kind of trying to figure out and realign ourselves, how do we do that? Well, you're absolutely right that it's very normal that we're feeling the ways that we're feeling and it's appropriate, the appropriate response to so much uncertainty and challenges in the world. And it's helpful to have tools that help us work with it, right? So mindfulness is a tool that helps us come into the present moment. I define it as paying attention to our present moment experiences with openness, curiosity, and a willingness to be with what is. So it's really that we can teach ourselves through different practices how to live in the present moment at least a little bit more so we're not constantly in these states of, you know, fear, anxiety, and worry. Yeah, and how do you do that whether you are, uh, you know, around other people like family, friends, or colleagues? How do you keep those mindfulness practices going and what are they? Yeah, so it's it's good to start with a mindfulness practice that you do on your own, not with other people because it'll get you going, right? So we start people learning how to meditate, learning mindfulness. And the basic thing that we do is invite you to notice your breathing and when your mind wanders off, because everybody's mind wanders off when you try to focus on your breathing, you bring it back. So you keep bringing your attention back into the present moment and you learn the skill of attending to the present moment and letting go of the worried and um, you know difficult thoughts. Once you start to get that, like get a sense of that, then when you're out in your life, you can apply mindfulness. When you notice that you're about to get upset about something, you can take a pause, take a breath. When you notice you're about to yell at someone, you take a breath, you come back into the present moment. So we apply it in daily I mean, that seems kind of, it seems easier said than done. Of course. Because for me, when I'm having a moment where I'm anxious, I'm not thinking about the task that I could get done. To That just seems like that's going to add to my stress because I'm going to then be more mad and hard on myself when I don't accomplish said task to try to, try to you know, slow me down and, and get more mindful because I'm not using the tools. And so I, I always think about it from that perspective of being like, all right, if I do have the tools, but I'm so in it where I'm really experiencing this anxiety, how do you, I kind of fight myself out of that? Because I think oftentimes 
it can be heavier and it, you can experience more when you're just like, yeah, I have the tools, but I don't know how to, I don't Integration. know how to use them. You yeah. Have, no. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. And you don't want to make it be something that it, you use to beat yourself up with. Oh, if I were just more mindful, then I wouldn't be anxious. Right. We don't want to do that. But we can learn some really basic, simple things so that even when we're caught in heavy stuff, we can find like a little bit of space, a little bit of ease, coming back to our breathing, feeling our feet on the ground, noticing that I can be kind of okay, even though things are challenging, that that, that actually is accessible to us. And so it's not like a big to-do list. It's more about turning your attention to the present moment in a very simple way to find a little tiny bit of peace, even amidst whatever's going on. Yeah. And I'm just looking at this article in CNN and this professor, Amishi Jha, said she compares this to resistance training for attention. And I think that's what people need to realize. It's like a muscle. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's not like you get it overnight. <laughs> it's, it's, it develops just like you have to practice it. You have to practice playing the piano or whatever it is you do. You practice it and it gets easier the more you do it. And that's why we start with a meditation um, our center at UCLA has guided meditations you can listen to on our UCLA Mindful app. And they're like three minute long, five minute long. So you don't have to do it yourself. Because even if you think about doing it yourself, it's overwhelming. But if you get guided, it's a lot more helpful. Are more and more people interested in this from your perspective and also professionally coming to UCLA to learn these things? Absolutely. We've certainly seen an increase in interest since the pandemic because people are looking for ways to manage all the stress and uncertainty. Um, and yeah, we have people from all different professions. We go out into medical setting and into businesses and into the mental health field and into schools, teaching people how to be more mindful. And it's been a real I find that people have found it to be extremely helpful to work with the stress. Well, great to have you on. That was Diana Winston, Director of Mindfulness Education at UCLA's Mindful Awareness Research Center. She also has a book out, The Little Book of Being, Practices and Guidance for Uncovering Your Natural Awareness. Thanks, Diana, for being here. My pleasure. Well, next up, what to do to slash your prostate cancer risk? We've got those answers with Dr. James Simmons next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. According to researchers at Harvard University, um, those who have uh, penis and genitals, because I don't want to make it as, as a gender. People with penises. You know, people with penises. Just keep it simple. Should ejaculate a certain amount of times a month in order to mitigate their prostate cancer risk. And we found the story because of Dr. James Simmons, who posts about stories that you need to know about daily on his Instagram. And we love having him on. Dr. James, welcome back. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Okay. So the the number, I didn't want to reveal the number of times (laughs) that folks should be doing this. And producer Vanessa thought I should lead this, but I'm like, yes, it's important to talk about this. But I also am just like, yeah. So, all right, Dr. James, just to bring it back, uh, tell us more uh, about this story. So this is actually really interesting. It's, it's a follow-up study to a study done led by Harvard researchers. So this is like legitimate, okay? We're going to sound a little bit, maybe a little bit uh, juicy here, but this is le- legitimate research. And what they were looking at was how, what is the relationship between frequency of ejaculation for people who have penises and risk of prostate cancer. And 
they followed people for 18 years in a study that ended in 2016. And at that time, they found that there was a pretty good relationship between a higher number of ejaculations per month and a lower risk of prostate cancer. Well, they have since updated their findings. So a lot of times researchers will do this. So they'll do like five years later, where are we at with the same cohort of people that we followed? And what they found is that now, even as they've aged, there's even a greater relationship between a higher frequency of ejaculations per month and a lower frequency of diagnosis of prostate cancer. And that magic number that you didn't want to mention uh-huh. earlier, Shira, it's at least 21 times per month. Wow, that's a lot of times. Um, but I think, you know, with quarantine and being in the house by yourself, I think there's a lot of people with penises that probably got that because self-love is great. I do wonder, though, how often should you be going to the doctor and checking your prostate? Is there an age, you know, is, is you know, should I be checking it now at the age of 28? What, what would you recommend? So if you are having certain signs and symptoms, so let's say like a lot of urinary frequency at night, so you're like, man, I am waking up like four or five times a night to pee, or if you have painful ejaculation or painful receptive anal sex, that could be a sign that there might be some issues with your prostate. You should definitely get that checked out. So that's just like in a general sense. But in terms of like screening yourself for prostate cancer, we usually tell folks if you have a history of prostate cancer in your family, even as young as age 40, you should start getting some sort of exam some sort of conversation with your primary care provider, whether that's testing for a PSA or a digital rectal exam or something like that. Mm -hmm. A lot of times you don't need the really full thorough workup because prostate cancer, interestingly, is a generally a really slow growing cancer. So even if we detect something really early on, a lot of times we'll just watch it. But if you are at least age 50 with or without a family history of prostate cancer, we do recommend that you talk to your primary care provider or whomever you're most comfortable with as from a healthcare provider standpoint to at least do a digital rectal exam and check a PSA, which is a prostate stimulating antigen. And it tells us if that's high or low, it can sort of guide us in a direction in terms of do we need to investigate that there might be more sort of a cancer situation going on here. Um, So it, it, yeah. Well, no, this is all really important stuff. Why would ejaculating that many times a month help with the risk? Like, what is it about that in terms of our bodies? Do you know? So this is the really interesting thing about this. We don't really know. And I I think that's what's kind of fascinating about research is that, you know, these Harvard researchers really looked over a long time, you know, 18 years first and now 23 years total, they followed this large group of individuals. And they're like, okay, we continue to see this relationship for these people who are saying they're self-reporting ejaculations of at least 21 times per month or more and they've taken out all the other factors that could potentially contribute to prostate cancer so like family history and alcohol abuse and all those different things right they take all those factors out and they're like wow these people who ejaculate more frequently have way lower risk of having a diagnosis of prostate cancer but we don't real quick i really want to know this is because we got to wrap up soon dr james 10 seconds um, is there such thing as ejaculating too much? Nope. Doesn't really exist. 
As long as you're not damaging uh, your penis, right? So if oh, you yeah. if it's happening too frequently and you're causing skin irritation or your penis is not functioning in sexual situations or even like things like urination, things like that, then it's probably an issue. But other than that, no, you really almost can't ejaculate too much. Oh, great to know. Wow. All right. Well, Dr. James Simmons, thanks as always for enlightening us. Of course. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. And always watch the Daily Dose at uh, Daily Ooh, Dose. Yes. Ask the NP on All Soch, <laughs> I believe. It's on, is it All Soch? Yeah. It's all socials, right? You got it. Beautiful. Of course. Well, next up, why the human rights campaign is calling for their president to resign. We'll explain what's going down next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Now, the human rights campaign is calling out their president, Alfonso David, for his ties to New York Governor Andrew Cuomo. This took a turn. We've had, of course, human rights campaign on our show Alfonso David has been on our show. I've Yeah, we've worked with him tons. Now, just to give you some context before we dive in. This article's crazy, though. There's Yeah, this is an article in HuffPo that explains all of this. So, basically, David was part of Cuomo's tight inner circle, serving as his counsel from 2015 to 2019. As you may know, or maybe you have not kept up, Cuomo is being accused of sexual harassment. And New York Attorney General, her office yesterday, or actually Tuesday, released a bombshell report detailing the investigations into these allegations. And David appears to have played a significant role in Cuomo's efforts to discredit his accusers. And the report is based on conversations with 179 people, more than 74,000 pieces of evidence, like emails, texts, photos, audio files. So what do you think of this pretty damning information? Well, with all of this new information that's kind of come out and knowing how close he was to this situation, it does feel like a conflict of interest. I mean, already staffers are saying this. You are creating a toxic environment where partners can't trust us. When are you resigning? Things got really heated on a conference call Wednesday in the inner workings of HRC. And um, people are calling for his uh, his his resignation. And also, like, it seems like um, Alfonso was a part of a you know a team that went into discrediting one of the accusers, Lindsey Bolin. And so when I'm thinking about this, um, it, it seems like lines were blurred. Mm-hmm. Um, it seems like he put himself in a situation where he forgot that he is the president of a major organization, and you can't kind of you know, do the same things that you would do normally if you were like just kind of an individual, you are now attached to a major brand. And so it starts to look sketchy when this report starts to see like, you know, for example, the report states that David provided a confidential file to Cuomo's top age, which they used to discredit one of his accusers. That is a, that is a, a major red flag. Anyone who wants to partner with HRC with him at the leadership, they're not going to want to do that anymore. Right. And yeah, and to be clear, the work he did with him was not when he was at the HRC. He ended up there after 2019. But still, that doesn't mean that they're still not close. Oh, you know, like I think I think it's still a conflict of interest that proves whatever you do in your past, wherever you get to is still connected to what you're doing and who you are. Right. Like and, you know, David Alfonso David, um, President Alfonso David said 
um, this specifically, he said that there was no awareness in the report that uh, he said, I read the report word for word and it left me sick into my stomach. There's nowhere in the report where it says that I wasn't aware of any of these allegations. And that could be true. Yeah, he says he knew, knew nothing. No one ever disclosed allegations of harassment either during or after I worked in state service. Also, I never saw anything. So he is sticking with that argument. And the question is, what will be done? I, like this leaves him in a really bad spot. It does. And and you would, you know, I think that at the the least, it would, there would just be a public apology. But well, I also want to add a, another what? layer to this because I think it's important to add this. Uh, uh, Alfonso David is also the first, the uh, HRC's first black um, president. Um, he's also obviously gay. And I think there is probably going to be more pressure and more of a responsibility and a more of a kind of like um, a, a super intense look at him because of the position that he is and like how legendary out of the 40 years of HRC, he was the first black president. And so I, I do think we have to talk about that and how that plays into, you know, this call to for him to kind of resign um, because that could look, be looked at as problematic as well because what that have happened with other leaders and positions. This obviously is a different time. We will never know. Um, but I do think he has to say something. And I do think he may have to resign after this because, you know, employee employees are asking, do you plan to issue a public apology for agreeing to sign a draft letter disparaging an accuser while serving as president of HRC per the AG's report? Um, so there was some, there's some blurred lines that have uh, most definitely taken place. And, I don't think we're hearing the end of this. No, to be continued. And we'll be covering it here on Let's Go There. It's overall unfortunate. So we'll It's see crazy. It's da- it's honestly damaging. It's like, oh, well, oh, yeah, not damaging, but it's that. It's all, But it's damning. It's, it's most definitely incriminating, in my opinion. Well, uh, next up, out Olympian Tom Daly revealed a secret talent, and everyone is loving it. It's next on What's Turning This Hour. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Coming up on the show, of course, we've got some great music as we always do here on Channel Q, but also the news of the day and interviews with some great guests. We're going to be talking to someone about what a person who's toxic is like, like how to know if you have a toxic person in your life and actually a test to find out that's in 15 minutes and we're taking that test live on the show very excited about it it is it's exciting let's get into some what's trending this hour right now though for those listening in austin and travis county uh it's official that you're in stage five covid restrictions this is the highest risk level for the pandemic for multiple days Uh, Austin and Travis County have surpassed the threshold. Now leaders have officially placed the city under stage five. Their seven-day average for new hospital admissions is at 67, an average of 389 people are hospitalized. That's basically the the number they're saying to get to this place. And health authority, Dr. Desmar Walk said, this surge is by far the fastest and most aggressive that we've seen. Walk said ICUs are seeing younger people and longer stays from patients, most who are unvaccinated with ads, um, and that adds strain to the hospitals. So that's very unfortunate that that is happening right now in Texas. Now, Tom Daly, who is a superstar at the Olympics and uh, won his 
gold medal at his fourth Olympics, as if that wasn't enough. He's also getting attention for something else. The British diver has fueled a resurgence in knitting with his latest creations going to a good cause. So basically, Daly has been spotted with crochet needles throughout the games, both poolside in the stands watching other events. He even knitted a tiny sleeve for his gold medal. Uh, earned with partner Maddie Lee in the men's 10-meter synchronized dive. And this is what he shared on an Instagram video. I don't normally post things that are not necessarily knitting related on my Made With Love page, but myself and Matty, my synchro partner, won the Olympics yesterday. And I thought I'd come on and just say the one thing that has kept me like sane throughout this whole process is my love for knitting and crochet and all things stitching. So I want to say thank you to all my followers on here to act for actually following along. But not only that, this morning I made a little cozy for my <laughs> for my medal to stop it getting scratched. Come on, that's cute. It's actually the cutest. <laughs> but then besides that, I think like if his British accent helps, okay? When he said, oh, my cozy, it's so cute. <laughs> so he also... What do you say? <laughs> yeah, I'm not doing Do it, it again. No. He's also raising awareness and funds for the UK-based brain tumor charity in memory of his father, Robert, who died of brain cancer in 2011. Oh, wow. A year before Daly's Olympic debut at the London Games. Oh. And uh, finally, Bill Gates was asked to reflect on his relationship with Jeffrey Epstein, the billionaire financier who was convicted of sex crimes. And the Microsoft co-founder said last night that he regretted meeting with Epstein and acknowledged that he called uh, it a huge mistake. He revealed this during an interview with CNN's Anderson Cooper. Gates said the men met for several dinners for what he hoped would be billions in philanthropy for global health through contacts that he had. And Gates said that the relationship ended after it looked like the prospect of funding for global health issues wasn't a real thing. So he basically thought that he was meeting with this guy to change the world. With. Yeah, I mean, Bill Gates has had enough time to come up with a better excuse for that. Um, I don't think just meeting with someone thinking he's going to have all these connections. I, I feel like a guy oh, money, that's... Yeah. yeah, I think Bill billionaire Gates... Billionaire with billionaire. But my thing is, I think Bill Gates would, would seem smart enough to kind of do a deeper dive on someone, if you know what I mean. Well, that was what's trending this hour. What's happening in entertainment news, right? Okay, so this is interesting. Blake Shelton and Gwen Stefani, uh, they got married, obviously. But Blake Shelton is talking about the awkward conversations that he had to have with friends that he didn't invite. It's time for the T-Report. Those pop culture stories trending right now. This jumped out at me because this actually recently happened to me where I had a friend. They were all together and mm. I wasn't invited. It happened to me, and I was like really upset about it. Um, but no, it was it was because of COVID. It was one. Yeah, it was like a COVID restriction know. thing. But you just yeah. never know. Well, in a new interview, he revealed the, that he's had awkward conversation with so many of his pals who didn't receive an invite to his wedding, uh, which took place on July third. He said, yeah, oh, uh, I've had awkward conversations with so many of my friends. Oh, oh, yeah, I, I read about that. How was that? Listen, we kept it small. Get over it. That's not about you. So there, so there's a lot of them. Um, I, I get that. But I also do think maybe if you know that you're not going to invite certain people, especially on a big thing like this, or if it's anything, you should, like, say something. Being like, hey, this is the reason why I didn't send you an invite. If you know there's people who are going to be upset with you, like friends, 
maybe you should kind of get ahead of that upset and then you explain to them briefly being like, yeah, I'm sorry that I was able to extend it. We kept it small. I think that could really resolve a lot of issues from people being upset with him and them. Yeah. I mean, my friend who got married during COVID, she invited a small group and then otherwise she sent an email to everyone else saying, we're going to be doing a Zoom, a live stream of it. Please join. I thought that was really nice as an option. That makes a lot of sense. Let us know. Have you ever been, you know, not invited to something by your friends? It it happens for sure. I got more T-Report stories coming up next hour. Okay, next up, what makes a person toxic and how to... Figure out if you're in that situation or you're that toxic person. That's next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. You know, the word toxic gets thrown around a lot. Like, that person is toxic. What they did is toxic. But what actually makes someone toxic? And are you aware of those signals? Could you have one of those types of people around you? Could you be one of those people? Well, joining us right now is Abby Lunardini, who is a the CMO at Truity, which is a California-based personality assessment company. Thanks for joining us. Thanks so much for having me. So first, I guess, let's establish, according to you all at Truity, who do these personality assessments, what makes a toxic person? Yeah, I think... Um uh, there's a lot of things that go into it. Um, we looked at, in developing the test, uh, the Big Five model of personality, which describes um, five major dimensions that make us who we are. And then we overlaid kind of annoying, quirky, eccentric behaviors um, and found that most annoyances fell within three of the Big Five personality dimensions. So those are neuroticism, conscientiousness, and agreeableness. Uh, and where you are sort of on the spectrum of each of those traits um, uh, can determine um, or um, align with um, potentially toxic behavior. So if you take our toxic person test, the test kind of tells you which of of the behaviors you're most susceptible to. So what happened in everyone's life who's involved with creating truity, like to want to find out more about Curiosity. Yeah, personality disorders. <laughs> I love that you went there. But yeah, I, <laughs> I think um, our, our founder is actually a former therapist um, and has her master's in psychology. But I think um, with this test in particular, you know, we've all been around intensely annoying people. Um, we've all sort of experienced that desperate need to kind of get away from them, cast them out, like understand their behaviors. And I think for us, this really stemmed from that of really trying to unpack what are the toxic traits that really irritate um, humans around you. And some people might not be aware of it. Um, so we just thought it was a really interesting question to dive into. Yeah. And I love how you actually took uh, different things like dimensions of personality that are actually positive, like openness, conscientiousness, extroversion, agreeableness, and uh, well, neuroticism. I don't know if that's good. But um, the other things you're saying that there's a spectrum and if you're it could you could be using this to your benefit and other people's benefit or if you're not uh, you don't have these traits then that's not good yeah and you know i will say um you know a lot of our tests are more um you know focused on the positive we have um, the number one Enneagram test in the U.S. and career tests. And this test, um, although based on, the, on you know, the big five model personality, we did take a little bit more tongue-in-cheek um, um, 
review of it. So you'll, you guys will see when you take the test. Um, you know, we all possess some of these traits and we can all be a little bit toxic sometimes and that we're all sort of on a spectrum of traits. So normally, you know, you might have some entitled uh, Karen-like behaviors, but most people kind of blow them off. Um, but some people can go way, way, way too far, <laughs> as we see on our social media feeds. Um, so um, I think it's important for for most users to know, you know, we're really, everyone's on a spectrum and everybody has a, a few of these toxic traits and things that they might be susceptible to. So it's just kind of a way to drive self-awareness around some of those things. Yeah, I love that you brought up the spectrum of it all because I, I'm like looking at your test now and I'm like, some of these, the questions that are being presented, like when you're answering these things, it's like, well, it depends on the situation. It also depends on my experiences and how I, you know, was growing up and all these things. And I always just wonder if that's kind of taken into account, you know, intersectionality and people's different experiences when it comes to tests like these and trying to figure out, oh, this is why their personality is the way it is. Yeah, definitely. It's such a good question. I would say definitely for our um, larger tests that we do, they're like much more rigorous and kind of scientifically validated. And we use sort of like a diverse um, data set and kind of validate the data. This one is a little bit more fun um, and um, uh, tongue-in-cheek. It does take into account some of those things, but I would say it's kind of less rigorous than um, some of our tests. Um, and we try to sort of design the questions to, um, you know, sometimes it's hard choices. And I, I felt the same way taking the test, too, of, of uh, okay, well, the one also my my answers might have changed based on where I was in my life and, and yeah, other yeah. things like that. Yeah. But there's, a, you know, there's if you go through the whole test, there's quite a few of them. So hopefully it kind of gets it sort of weeds through the data and sort of gets to um, some traits that, that kind of you most you might be most susceptible to. Well, after this, we are taking the quiz. And we started. will reveal, Dang. I know I have also, it, we will reveal who is the most toxic person on our radio oh. show. That's next. None of your business. <laughs> I, I'm excited. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. We're talking about wow. what makes a person toxic, and we're with the CMO of Truity. Uh, Truity is a California-based personality assessment company. Abby Lunardini is back with us, and part Abby. of this conversation, wait, is um, <laughs> doing a test and about it, you know what type of toxic person you are. So basically, the idea is it's not about one one person being not toxic or and someone is toxic. It's that we all have toxic traits in us, but which trait do you have? Yes. So. Yeah. We did the uh, test on truity.com, and I guess first let's uh, we'll get into the, the reveal of what each of us got, me right. and Ryan, in a moment, but can you go through um, a bit of how you came up with these questions or how it works? Sure. Um, well, we, we uh, based the test um, as a starting point from the Big Five model of personality and um, really looked at sort of traits within... Um, the spectrum of neuroticism, conscientiousness, or agreeableness. And neuroticism is really how you regulate your negative emotions. Mm -hmm. So that's a big part of it. Conscientiousness is how you get things done in the world. Uh, and agreeableness is how you interact and cooperate with others. Um, so that's kind of how we derive the questions. And, and some of the questions are a little tough, like you're, we're forcing people into, you know, to make a decision around in specific contexts 
relating to, you know, agreeable and it's how they interact with others and sort of how they approach different things. Um, But for all of the categories, that's how how we built the questions. Interesting. So we went on the site and we answered these questions. It's like three pages of questions. It's actually not that much. It takes like five minutes. T-R-U-I-T-Y dot com. And before we reveal our toxic trait, what the toxic traits that the results end up with, you can either be, I guess, lazy, dramatic, arrogant, negative, rigid, entitled, or manipulative. And there's names. There's four names. The slacker, the Karen, the drama llama, the mansplainer, <laughs> the Debbie Downer. Um, there's all these different names for them. And then it tells you specifically about the toxic traits. And you kind of, there's a scale, it seems like, where it's like how much of those traits, like how far on you on the scale are you with those negative traits? Uh, I guess you want it before we reveal, Abby, do you want to share anything about that, of how you all came up with those different ones? Yeah, we were trying to be as mean as possible. No, I like it. <laughs> I, oh um, we, we did. I, I think in the test results, we were a little bit tongue-in-cheek with coming up with the names, but um, some of them were overlaid with um, really behaviors that get under people's skin, um, and um, those characteristics um, are can be associated with behaviors that that are really, really irritating to people. And, um, you know, we see them, we kind of use some social media memes to kind of develop or sort of name each of the archetypes. Okay, so first me and Ryan are going to guess each other's and then we'll reveal what we got. <laughs> so so I, I think that Ryan got rigid as his toxic trait. Oh, what? <laughs> Come on, Nick, you have even said you're a control freak. Oh, uh, my God. Okay. And <laughs> is this, this going to ruin our relationship? And then I think... I th- <laughs> this test is toxic to I, our relationship. I think that Shira got... Um, honestly, I think that she got dramatic. Oh, I'm actually I had, I, I, it was a There's a couple other ones that I think that she got. Uh, but... I, Dramatic was drama llamas demand outsized attention to their volatile emotions. So let's go ahead and let's go ahead and reveal, Shira, what is your toxic trait? What's the name of it? I am the slacker. <laughs> I'm lazy. It said I'm lazy. That is my toxic. All right, I must admit, admit. I'll admit. It says that I'm a slacker. I think I'm chill and easygoing, but I'm actually just a leech. Self awareness is the first step. So I must say, this is intense. I'm sending you my therapy. Yeah. <laughs> No, I must say the one thing that I've noticed that helps with a lot of my relationships, like the one thing that will be brought up is either I run late or I do, like I I will rely on people. And so when I real when I realize that and step into not being that, it actually helps. So yeah, there you go. I guess that that is true, and I'm working on it. Um, okay. So um, mine was um, according to this oh awful website. <laughs> Um, mine was my toxic trait. I am the Debbie Downer. Oh, the Debbie Downer is it's official. It says, I feel compelled to remind you. Wait, wait a second. No. So the Debbie Downer is someone who is a pessimist. Basically, they always um, negative. Yeah. I'm so my first trait was negative. My second one was rigid. My third was dramatic. My fourth was arrogant. My fifth was entitled. Six manipulative. Zero is lazy. The second one I got. Was your you got the second for me and I got the second meaning I'm dramatic as my second and you're right right okay so we're gonna we we're loving this so much where I want you to explain this to me because now I feel really awful about who I am as a person and we're gonna keep you on if you have a little bit more time to explain what our traits are and how are we actually should we be working together what do you think 
Abby's like, I'm and a CMO, apologies. I'm not a therapist. No, no I think- she did She did this to us, so she has to explain. <laughs> I do, it is. It's my responsibility. Um, okay. Well, I think the one thing to keep in mind is that we definitely were tongue-in-cheek with the descriptions, and it's sort of like everyone is traits on a spectrum. So I think, you know, when you're under stress um, or you know, different, diff- in different periods in your life, like you might tilt a yeah. little bit into some of these I'm, toxic behaviors, but yep. a lot of people don't. Like they can, can control them, but it might just be like your impulse, right? Yeah, your Abby, default. Don't, don't try to explain it now. Hold that. <laughs> we're going to go on a quick commercial break okay. and we're, you're going to break it all down for us what this means. Okay. All Thanks. right. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. We are back talking about this toxic personality test. And guess what? All of us have some toxic in us. There's no getting away. So quick recap. You, what was your first tr- negative trait? My first negative trait was Lacey. <laughs> yeah, my first negative trait was negative. And so... And what about producer Vanessa? Producer Vanessa, her first trait was rigid. Hmm. Which, yeah, which it works for a control freak <laughs> as a producer. And, Congratulations. And honestly, and, and you know, okay. But I feel like that actually helps us work together because we bring, it's because, like a yin and yang. Because you're leeching off of our... <laughs> our <laughs> okay, Abby, break down uh, from Truity.com. Thank you so much for being here and staying with us basically this entire hour. Break down... Basically a therapy session. Yeah, what does this mean for us in, in the sense of our results? What what? How should we be looking at this? Because I am literally so sad. Uh, well, don't be sad. I think, um, you know, we were trying to be a little bit tongue-in-cheek with the names. And I think it's important to remember that everybody has sort of leans a certain level on the spectrum, right? So if you're have this sort of slacker impulse, it doesn't mean that you're showing that all the time. And you've kind of probably you know, developed compensations to sort of overcome it, um, which um, I'm sure you have, (laughs) Shira. Well, actually, I Um, used to be more of a, I feel like the other way and over. No. (laughs) Over the years, I feel like I'm just tired. Our main thing has been what? I know, but this is after. I'm in senioritis right now, okay? I've been doing my work for 20 years. Give me a break. Mm -hmm. As the producer, I can say that. Last year, she was definitely the lazy one. She, I will have to say, but she has stepped it up. Thank you, everyone. Because I've noticed sure. my and, toxic but that's, traits that's and been worked the thing, on But that most definitely was the thing that we, we were all talking And my thing was the the rigidness as well. For for me, was wanting things to be done, done in a certain way and not, and not being able to communicate in the ways that I, I should have. And so now... And then bringing in negativity. That's changed. Which doesn't help. Right? That's changed. And so wow. how should we, moving forward, knowing these things and, and what you want to, our, our listeners to get from this when they're taking the test? Like, what, what's the main thing? Uh, well, I think that it is, it is entirely possible that, like, where you are in your life, these things might, might change a little bit. Um, but I think the, the important thing is kind of looking at what, you know, when I'm in my worst moments, what are the what are the traits that I have that I'm particularly susceptible to, and just like being aware of it. And um, I also got like Vanessa, I got um, a control freak, and I was like, yes, <laughs> I see that. <laughs> and so like you know, trying to eat you know everything your way at work is not always the necessarily the best way. Mm-hmm. Sort of thinking about your impact on those around you is just kind of a helpful thing to be aware of. That especially you know if you're under stress, um, you might sort of lean lean to one of these um, tendencies. So there you go. It's not about escaping these things. It's about being aware of it so you can find solutions to show up better for yourself and others. Thank you so much 
for this being here. That was Abby Lunardini, the CMO of Truity, a California-based personality assessment company. Go check out all their tests. A lot of good conversation starters with your uh, friends, colleagues, or loved ones. Truity.com. Have a great rest of your day. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. We're wrapping up the shows we always do with our Yaz Queen of the Day. Yes, Queen. More Olympic inspiration. Nestle Paticio of the Philippines won silver in women's featherweight boxing after a close match against Japan. And the outboxer dedicated her win to her country, her coaches, and the LGBTQ community. She said, This win is for the LGBTQ plus community. Let's go fight. And uh, her win brought a number of historic firsts for her country. She is also the first woman from the Philippines to win a boxing medal, the first Filipino boxer to medal at the Games in almost 25 years. And her teammate, Irish Magno, is also part of the community. They were the first Filipino woman to compete in boxing at the Olympics. So, so many great things. Oh, wow. Congrats to her and the Philippines. You get our Yaz Queen of the Day. Yeah. Yes, Queen. And if you want to nominate someone for our Yes Queen, just slide into our DMs at LGT Show. We love to hear from you. And guess what? We're back tomorrow, weekdays here on Channel Q, 2 to 6 p.m. Pacific, 5 to 9 p.m. Eastern on tomorrow's show. We're going to be talking about lots of things, including how children became the focus of the rights culture wars. Plus, we have the founder of Global Day of Unplugging joining us to talk about how to disconnect from tech one day or possibly for good that's on tomorrow's show and if you miss any of our shows or interviews we post everything as a podcast just go to the odyssey app or where podcasts are available and search let's go there and press that subscribe button we are sending you love and light and honey remember to slay now stick around for love line with dr chris where he's talking about healthy ways to have a monogamous relationship that's next this episode is brought to you by progressive insurance whether you love true crime or comedy celebrity interviews or news you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue and guess what now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the name your price tool from progressive it works just the way it sounds you tell progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget get your quote today at progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust progressive progressive casualty insurance company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. Back clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. Yes, and even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Nerds. Today's episode is sponsored by Nerd Wallet Smart Money Podcast. Get your head in the financial game with smart investing and budgeting tips straight from the nerds. Nerd Wallet's experts will set future you up for success with dependable, fact-based insights. No financial misinformation allowed. Learn how to save on your summer vacation, find your next credit card, or loan for a big purchase, and invest in your next index fund. Make smarter decisions in 2024. Follow Nerd Wallet Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. 